Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. This is the 40th episode and this is such a big milestone for me to reach. To be honest, I didn't think I would get this far and it has actually been a real pleasure. I've loved doing all the research, finding out so much information and I feel like I have learned more through doing this podcast. So thank you to my listeners for letting me speak to you week after week. It was a slow start for me, but I feel that I've slowly got back into my rhythm. And I feel like I have found my niche in the podcasting world. This week, I will be continuing with part two of schizophrenia and its links to crime. But I also will touch on at the end of some famous people who have actually been diagnosed with schizophrenia and how they have managed to have their relationship with the disorder, but also managed to achieve such things in their lives, which I believe that anybody can actually do but they had such great support from people around them that enabled them to be able to be successful. So let's start part two. with schizophrenia are thought to be at an increased risk of committing violent crime. Four to six times the level of the general population, individuals without the disorder. However, risk estimates vary substantially across many studies and considerable uncertainty exists as to what mediates this elevated risk. Despite this uncertainty, Current guidelines recommend that violence risk assessment should be conducted for all patients with schizophrenia. In the study by Fazel et al. in 2009 called Schizophrenia, Substance Abuse and Violent Crime, the researchers wanted to discover the risk of violent crime among patients diagnosed as having schizophrenia and the role of substance abuse in mediating this risk. They looked into more than 20 epidemiological studies that have reported on the association between major mental disorder and violence, including more than 10 that specifically examined the relationship with schizophrenia. These reports typically find that schizophrenia is related to a four to six-fold increased risk of violent behaviour, which has led to the view that schizophrenia and other major mental disorders are preventable causes of violence and violent crime. Indeed, expert opinion has deemed that evidence is sufficiently robust, that new research should move beyond epidemiology and focus on treatment. However, uncertainties remain regarding that reported link. First, there are wide variations in risk estimations. These range from sevenfold increases in violent offenders in schizophrenia compared with the general population controls 
to no association in one prospective investigation. Second, there is considerable uncertainty whether schizophrenia without substance abuse comorbidity is actually associated with violence. Large prospective and case control studies have found no or a weak association, while other investigations from Finland, Denmark and the United States report three to fourfold risk increases. Third, the possible contribution of genetic and early environmental factors in mediating the link between schizophrenia and violence has not been reliably studied. Conceptual models of violence and schizophrenia postulate that patients with schizophrenia are violent as a consequence of the psychopathologic symptoms of the disorder itself, like the delusions or hallucinations or secondary to comorbid substance use, an established risk factor for violence. An alternative model is that schizophrenia and violent behaviour co-occur because of familial factors, genetic or early environmental, that are related to both, such as personality traits such as irritability, irritability poor anger management, and good management or inadequate coping with stress. If the association of schizophrenia and violence disappears when substance abuse is accounted for and appropriate adjustments are made for confounding this would suggest that the assessment and treatment for substance abuse comorbidity should be prioritised in individuals deemed at risk. It would explain why attempts to find psychotic symptoms associated with violence have produced contradictory results. Therefore, by using longitudinal designs, the researchers examined the relationship of schizophrenia with violent crime in Sweden from 1973 until 2006. Swedish registers of hospital admissions and criminal convictions in 1973 to 2006, risk of violent crime in patients after diagnosis of schizophrenia was compared to with that among the general population controls. Potential confounders, age, sex, income, and marital and immigration status, and mediators such as substance abuse comorbidity were measured at a baseline. To study familial confounding, they also investigated risk of violence among unaffected siblings of patients with schizophrenia. Information on the treatment, unfortunately, was not available to the researchers. The researchers found in their results in patients with schizophrenia, which was about 8,000 patients they had, 13.2% had at least one violent offence, comparing with 5.3% of the general population controls. The risk was mostly confined to patients with substance abuse comorbidity, of whom 27.6% committed an offence, yielding an increased risk of violent crime among such patients. Whereas the risk increase was small in schizophrenia patients without substance abuse. The risk increased among those with substance abuse comorbidity 
were significantly less pronounced when unaffected siblings were used as their control, suggesting significant familiar co-founding the association between schizophrenia and violence. So schizophrenia was associated with an increased risk of violent crime in this longitudinal study. But this association was attenuated by the adjustment for substance abuse, suggesting it being a mediating effect. However, this study did show some limitations as the role of risk assessment, management and treatment of the individuals with comorbidity needed further examination. In a more recent study in 2015, Goreshi et al conducted a study called Prevalence and Attributes of Criminality in Patients with Schizophrenia. The researchers aimed to report on the prevalence and types of the offence or criminal acts in patients with schizophrenia, identify attributes of schizophrenic offenders, and finally examine factors associated with offensive or criminal behaviours within a sample of schizophrenic offenders. As we know from the first episode, schizophrenia is a form of chronic psychosis that may include bizarre behavior, paranoia, anxiety, delusions, withdrawal, and suicidal tendencies. The causes of schizophrenia are unknown, but there is evidence of hereditary factors and imbalance in the brain's chemistry. Its prevalence between men and women is equal and 2 million new cases of this disease appear around the world each year. A crime is an act that is prohibited by law through penalty. According to Gudzian, for human behaviour to be considered a crime, three elements are necessary. One, legally, the criminal act should be prohibited by law. Two, materially the criminal act should be executed or realized and three spiritually the criminal act should be accompanied by criminal intention or guilt these three elements must be present for an act to be labeled as a crime the association between schizophrenia and committing violent acts or different forms of crime is evident in literature encompassing interpersonal attack and murder compared to their normal or control counterparts in the general population. Individuals diagnosed with schizophrenia are four to six times more likely to commit a violent crime, as mentioned above. In Western countries, 6% of the homicide perpetrators in the populations were labelled as schizophrenic. Our emphasis, they're labelled. And existing research also indicates that the prevalence of crime in patients with schizophrenia is significantly associated with male sex, being single, refusing to accept treatment, substance abuse, and duration of illness. The researchers in this study brought two different branches of science together, namely law and psychiatry, to one, report on the prevalence and types of offensive or criminal acts in patients with schizophrenia, and two, identify attributes of schizophrenic offenders. 
And finally, examine factors associated with criminal behaviours with a sample of schizophrenic offenders. This study was a cross-sectional study of 358 patients with schizophrenia who were admitted to a psychiatric ward in Iran between 2004 and 2008. The study's data was collected using patients' medical, criminal records, as well as via personal interviews with a family member. Study variables included criminality or offensive behaviour, types of schizophrenia, whether it was paranoid versus non-paranoid, experiencing hallucination, disease onset, and the patient's demographic. Of the sample in this research, 64.8 were male and 80.7% were 45 years old or younger. 74.1% were either single or divorced and slightly over 59% were offenders with a criminal status, of which 9.8% were legal offenders, and 48.6% were hidden offenders. The results of unadjusted logistic regression between all of these variables and criminality show, except for employment, marital status, and opium use, all other variables were statistically associated with criminality. The findings in this research point to a high prevalence of criminality among patients with schizophrenia. In addition, the overwhelming majority of the offenders were engaged in hidden offences facing no legal consequences. A closer look at the data shows that 97% of victims of the hidden offenders were family members. This is alarming since people often have difficulty reporting offensive behaviours committed by family members with mental disorders, fearing stigmatisation or persecution by the legal system. The complexity of the issue should remind health professionals to be more proactive in understanding the interplay of schizophrenia and offensive behaviours in the family setting and suggest violence prevention strategies and provide adequate referrals. The existing evidence supports the findings of this study. A review study using national and international data concluded an increased risk of criminality in schizophrenia patients and suggested that a greater need to integrate an understanding of aggressive behaviours and schizophrenia in present-day psychiatry. Others have reported that inadequate attention to association between criminality and schizophrenia consequently generates substantial increase in admissions of such, such patients to forensic mental hospitals and inappropriate patient shifting to the judicial system. Similar to this study's findings, other studies attributed an increase of risk of violent offence in schizophrenia to younger age, male sex and comorbid substance abuse, experiencing hallucinations and early onset of the disease. National and international researchers have found that male sex predicts earlier onset. Different symptomology 
and poorer disease course and outcome of the schizophrenia, as well as violent behaviours due to the interplay of sex hormones and neurodevelopment and the psychosocial sex differences. The findings of substance abuse studies suggest that the risk of criminality and violent behaviours in comorbid patients with schizophrenia with substance abuse is similar to that of substance abusing individuals without schizophrenia, suggesting that violence reduction efforts should also consider focus on primary and secondary substance abuses prevention strategies. Also, since crime is often the offender's response to delusions or hallucinations, the significance of early treatment of the delusions and hallucinations should be underscored. The age of onset of the psychosis may carry a clinical significance across psychiatric disorders and appears to be associated with specific genetic abnormalities specifically differential clinical and behavioural features, and notably a history of lifetime cannabis abuse or dependence and violence. Clinicians are in a unique position to screen for and identify risks associated with the manifestation of violence between early and late onset schizophrenia. The difficulties arising from this particular study is a limit in the interpretation of the findings in the associated between the offensive behaviour or criminality and schizophrenia. This includes a lack of clear data on the diagnostic tools used in the sample, the use of the definition of illegal behaviour in Iran, and the use of data from one psychiatric site to another. In addition, this was quite a small sample size that limited the availability to perform subgroup analysis and use rigorous tests to identify the independent predictors of criminality or offensive behaviours. And these limitations of the sample size restrict the generalizability of the findings to other populations of patients with schizophrenia. Nevertheless, though, the findings add to the body of knowledge regarding this topic which is rarely investigated in low and middle income countries. And like most national and international studies, this study showed a high percentage of criminal activities among patients with schizophrenia and an association, a bit statistically limited, between criminality and some measures of sociodemographics, substance abuse and the type of schizophrenia. A larger and longer longitudinal study needs to be produced to provide a better knowledge of the association between the stage of schizophrenia and the type of offence committed by such patients in the context of the patient's biological psychosocial makeup, as well as an institutionalised and deinstitutionalization experiences. Findings from such a study could support appropriate and timely actions regarding the prevention, treatment, and management of this disease and its association with criminality. Early assessment and identification of violent behaviours in patients with schizophrenia or schizophrenic spectrum disorder 
by qualified psychiatrists who are familiar with the national legal or professional guidelines on this issue can be cost and time saving. It all may also may assist in the risk assessment process in schizophrenia. It could also prevent premature passing of the patient to the jail and psych wards, which is definitely more traumatic and damaging to that vulnerable person. However, this study was an attempt to delineate relevant statistics concerning schizophrenia and criminality. Five years of data on the patients with the schizophrenia did show a high percentage of criminal behaviours in these patients. More specifically, hidden offences and those that target family members were prevalent. These findings, though limited, pointed to the potential of association between criminality and gender, age, education, substance abuse, types of schizophrenia and disease onset among those schizophrenic patients. While more replication of this study would be great to see whether these results could be replicated and to see whether they are informative for early detection and to increase outreach services, especially to family and criminal justice settings. In middle-income countries such as Iran, adequate community-based facilities and outreach services can result in lifting the burden of schizophrenia-related violence in families and patients and reduce the financial cost of premature hospitalizations. Medical health professionals can play a crucial role in raising the awareness of and communicating with family members. The risk of violent behaviours in patients with schizophrenia. They can also raise community awareness regarding the potential victimisation of patients with schizophrenia. They can promote the notion that people with major mental health disorders need highly empathetic and supportive therapies to keep them safe. People with schizophrenia who are actively paranoid or experiencing hallucinations may be vulnerable and living within a system or society that labels anything unknown or different as bad, wrong, and could only aggravate their treatment. So really further interventional studies are needed to report on the criminality outcome of integrated and comprehensive care for patients with schizophrenia living in the community. There are also limited local studies on the attitudes of mental health professionals and their inclination to integrate aggressive behavior into their understanding of psychosis. Furthermore, a lack of knowledge on the behalf of the judicial system regarding mental health state of the accused may be cause an increasing number of patients with a schizophrenia spectrum disorder to be referred to a forensic psychiatric institution raising concerns regarding efforts to destigmatize both patients and psychiatry. One of the reasons I chose this last study is because it was set in Iran. And I think we see so many studies that come out of the US that come out of other Western European countries. And we don't see really any other studies that are coming out of other countries. And I thought this was brilliant. I really enjoyed this paper and I'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read more about it. It was brilliant. It went, I think it went into in depth and I could terribly, terribly biased 
and terrible by saying, oh, I I don't know what their judicial system is like. I don't know how in Iran they manage their psychiatric wards or how they define criminal behavior or offensive behavior. And I think this really pulls everything in that it doesn't matter where you are in this world, the treatment that you should get for schizophrenia, it should be intervention early to get it manageable. Mental health systems and outreach centers need to be able to help the family and the patient because from the minute that onset comes on, they are vulnerable. They're so vulnerable. Imagine what you feel like when you wake up from a dream and how real that you think that felt to you. That's what their living day to day is like. They don't know whether what they're seeing is real or not because their perception of a visual or auditory hallucination is real to them. And that makes them vulnerable on such another level. So I believe the study was brilliant. And I hope to see more studies like this come out. So I just wanted to touch on a few cases where some criminals have been, as the other study said, labeled as having schizophrenia. So it is actually one of the most common mental disorders to get diagnosed among criminals, especially serial killers. David Berkowitz, better known as the son of Sam, killed six people in the 1970s, claiming that his neighbor's dog had told him to do it. And he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Ed Gein, gruesome inspiration for fictions Norman Bates, Buffalo Bill and Leatherface, murdered and mutilated his victims, often keeping grisly trophies. Richard Chase, the vampire of Sacramento, killed six people in California and drank their blood. David Gonzalez killed four people in 2004 and claimed he had been inspired by Nightmare on Elm Street. Jared Lee Lohner, convicted of killing six people and wounding 13, including US Representative Gabrielle Cliffords in 2011, was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And James Egan Holmes, currently on trial, well, now he's not, he, now he has been convicted of the Batman murders in Aurora, has been diagnosed by, with schizophrenia. As I said, these people have been labeled with having schizophrenia, but they weren't diagnosed before they went to prison. Deep down, I do not believe that people with schizophrenia are criminals or more responsible for crime. I do not believe that studies have given conclusive evidence. I feel that it is through inadequate help and treatment of the illness 
I believe it is through people who are suffering with schizophrenia trying to self-medicate themselves with substances, which is something that happens. People with depression try to self-medicate themselves. We all try to do it. We're humans. We try to alleviate those bad feelings. And I think that substance abuse coupled with the psychosis of hallucinations and delusions is what causes the criminal behavior, not actually the schizophrenia itself. So this is why I decided to focus on 20 famous people who have been diagnosed with schizophrenia and the amazing things that they have managed to accomplish in their life. Lionel Aldridge, 1941 to 1998. He was a professional football player and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia at the age of 33. Lionel was an all-skyline tackle and co-captain of the Utah State Aggies. He was drafted in 1963 after a standout college career at the Utah State. He was among the few rookies to start for coach Vince Lombardi. Aldridge enjoyed an 11-year career in the NFL, playing for the Green Bay Packers and the San Diego Chargers. As you can tell, I know nothing about American football. As a Packer, he played a role in three straight NFL championships, 1965, 1966, and 1967. And in Packer victories in Super Bowls, one and two. Traded to the San Diego Chargers, Aldridge played two seasons in San Diego before retiring for professional football in 1973. Upon his retirement, he worked as a sports analyst until being diagnosed in the late 70s with paranoid schizophrenia, a subtype of schizophrenia and the most common type. His diagnosis led him to becoming homeless, and he eventually regained some sense of mental health. He became an advocate for the homeless and mentally ill until his death in 1998. His advocacy work included serving as a board member for the Mental Health Association of Milwaukee and working as a speaker for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Sid Barrett, 1946 to 2006. Musician and founder of Pink Floyd. Sid Barrett was an English songwriter, guitarist and artist, most notably for the founder of the rock band Pink Floyd. Barrett was a lead singer, guitarist and principal songwriter in the band's early years and is credited with the naming of the band. Barrett was excluded from Pink Floyd in April 1968 after David Gilmour took over as their new frontman. He left and missed stories of him having mental illness coupled with his serious drug abuse. There were many reports that Barrett was schizophrenic, although he never publicly admitted this. He eventually suffered a severe burnout and cut out all social aspects of his life while remaining in constant isolation. Within time, Barrett stopped contributing to music and avoided conversation about his association with Pink Floyd. In 1978, when his money ran out, he moved back to Cambridge to live with his mother. He returned to live in London again in 1982, but only lasted a few weeks and soon returned to Cambridge for good. In 
He lived with serious diabetes for several years and died in his mother's home in Cambridge on July of 2006 at the age of 60. And the cause of his death was pancreatic cancer. Charles Buddy Bolden, 1877 to 1931. A jazz music pioneer, age of diagnosis, 30. One of the most historic cases of famous schizophrenic people is Buddy Bolden. While there was a great deal of first-hand oral history about Bolden, facts about his life continue to be lost amongst colourful myth. There have been stories saying that he was a barber by trade or that he published a scandal sheet called Cricket. However, much of this has been refuted. What is known about him is that he is regarded by the music contemporaries as a key figure in the development of a New Orleans style of ragtime music, or jazz, which later became to be known as jazz. He was referred to as King Bolden and King of Jazz. His band was a top draw in New Orleans from about 1900 to 1907. He left no known recordings but he was known for his very loud sound and constant improvisation. Bolden suffered an episode of acute alcoholic psychosis in 1907 at the age of 30. Upon further investigation of this diagnosis, he was given the full diagnosis of dementia priacox, now known as schizophrenia. He was admitted to the Louisiana State Insane Asylum at Jackson where he spent the rest of his life. Edward Einstein, 1910 to 1965, the son of Albert Einstein, age of diagnosis, 20. Edward Einstein was born in Zurich, Switzerland, the second son of physicist Albert Einstein and his first wife, Melvik Marik, Albert Einstein and his family moved to Berlin in 1914, shortly after his parents separated. Marik returned to Zurich, taking Eduard and his older brother Hans Albert with her. His father remarried in 1919 and in the 1930s emigrated to the United States under the threat of German Nazi regime. Eduard was extremely intelligent and a successful student throughout his education. During his youth, Edouard wanted to be a psychoanalyst, but began showing signs of schizophrenia by the age of 20. This led him to be institutionalized several times and he died in the asylum at age 55. And his family lineage has been used to raise public awareness of schizophrenia. Zelda Fitzgerald. 1900 to 1948. Writer, dancer, artist, and wife of writer F. Scott Fitzgerald. Zelda Fitzgerald is included on this list of famous people with schizophrenia in large part due to her fame as the wife of F. Scott Fitzgerald, the author of The Great Gatsby. She was an American novelist, dancer, and socialite. She became iconic in the 1920s after being dubbed by her husband as the first American flapper. After the success of his first novel, 
this side of paradise in 1920, the Fitzgeralds became celebrities. Zelda was known to go into fits of paranoia, especially regarding her husband's alleged unfaithfulness. In 1930, she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. After years as the face of the jazz age, the roaring 20s and the lost generation, Zelda Fitzgerald post-traumacy gained further celebrity with the publication of Nancy Milford's best-selling Zelda, a biography, in 1970. Milford's biography portrayed Zelda as a victim of an overbearing husband, as she soon became a feminist icon. In April 1930, Zelda was admitted to a sanatorium in France, where after months of observation and treatment, she was diagnosed as a schizophrenic. She was initially admitted to a hospital outside Paris and then later moved into a clinic in Switzerland. As her psychological symptoms progressed, she was moved to a psychiatric facility in the Prague on the shores of Lake Geneva. She was released in September 1931 and the Fitzgeralds returned to living in Montgomery, Amabella, where her father was dying. But by February 1932, she had returned to living in the psychiatric clinic. Peter Green, guitarist and founder of Fleetwood Mac. Age of diagnosis, 31. Peter Green is a British blues rock guitarist and the founder of the American band Fleetwood Mac. Green played lead in Peter Barnes' band, the Peter B's Lunas, in 1966. After a three-month stint, he had the opportunity to fill in for Eric Clapton in John McMillan and the Blues Breakers for three gigs. Upon Clapton's permanent departure not long after, he was hired full-time, and he was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998 for all of his work with the group. Green has written such songs as Albatross, Black Magic Woman, Oh Well, and Man of the World. The songs have been recorded by artists such as Sonatana, Aerosmith, Status Quo, Black Crows, Midra, Tom Petty, Judas Priest, and Gary Moore. Green's playing was noticed for its idiomatic string bending and vibrato, an economic style. He was ranked 38th in Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitarists of all time. Along with a lifetime of success has come a lifetime of struggles and mental illness. Green was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia and spent time in psychiatric hospitals undergoing electroconvulsive therapy during the mid-70s. Daryl Hammond, 1955. Comedian and Saturday Night Live actor. Daryl Hammond is an American actor, stand-up comedian, and impressionist. He was a Saturday Night Live cast member from 1995 to 2009, one of the longest-standing actors in the show. He was a regular member of the Not Ready for Primetime Players Company on Saturday Night Live and had the longest tenure for any cast member in the show's history. When he left the show at the age of 53, he was the oldest cast member in the show's history too. Hammond made more Saturday Night Live appearances than any other cast member and impersonated more than 107 celebrities, with Bill Clinton as his most frequent impression. 
On September 19, 2014, Hammond became the new announcer of SNL, replacing Don Pardo, who had died the month before. What is lesser known about the comedian is that he is on the list of famous people with schizophrenia. During an interview in 2011 with CNN, Hammond revealed that his mother has brutally abused him throughout his childhood. He stated that his trauma from the abuse led to cutting, several hospitalizations due to the psychiatric issues, and a diagnosis that include bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and borderline personality disorder. Tom Harrell, 1946, composer and jazz musician. Tom Harrell is an American composer and arranger and a jazz trumpeter and a fluke hornist. Harrell has won awards and grants, including multiple Trumpeter of the Year awards from Downbeat Magazine, SCSAC Jazz Award, Broadcast Music Incorporated Composers Award, and Pre-Oscar du Jazz. He received a Grammy nomination for his big band album, Time's Mirror. Harrell's success is quite a story, given that he is a famous person with schizophrenia. His disability profoundly affects his life when off stage. He suffers from paranoia schizophrenia, which affects every aspect of his life. On stage, he stands away from the microphone, off to the side, his head bowed and his hands clutching his trumpet. When called upon to play, he walks slowly to the microphone, head still lowered, raising it only to play. When finished, he bows his head and resumes his original pace. He has been recorded on over 260 albums and he continues to compose, record and tour around the world today. Jack Kerak, 1922 to 1969, novelist and poet, an age of diagnosis at 21. Jack Kerak was an American novelist and poet. He is the author of the classic On the Road. Kerouac is recognised for his method of spontaneous prose. His writing covers a wide range of topics such as Catholic spirituality, jazz, promiscuity, Buddhism, drugs, poverty and travel. He became somewhat of a quiet celebrity and along with other beats became a founding member of a hippie movement. Kerouac spent a short time enlisted in the United States military and during his stint, a Navy doctor diagnosed him with what was then called dementia preox, today known as schizophrenia. His enlistment lasted just 10 months, and Kruak left the military to start his career as one of the greatest writers of the Beat Generation. When he was discharged from his service, the diagnosis was formally changed and noted that he may display some schizoid tendencies. He died on October 20, 1969, from an internal hemorrhage caused by cirrhosis of the liver. It was a result of a lifetime of heavy drinking, and some say that drinking was a type of self-medication to quiet the voices heard by most schizophrenics. I am actually going to pause here. I do have many other famous people to discuss but I'm going to discuss them at the end of the next episode, as I think they do need to be mentioned. But sometimes even I find it when an episode has gone on too long, I can't retain any more information.
So my sources this week, I did heavily rely on the two um, case studies, which I have got from two different journals, which I will put the links in the show notes below. So you can actually read them for free as well. I also got some information from the online psychology degree, where that was the famous people with schizophrenia, which I'm also going to use next week. Um, I also used to get the um, criminals who've been labeled with schizophrenia. I found that on forensiccolleges.com. I will post all those links below um, as I think they are really good to get to know. And basically, if you want to do some more reading, more background research, they're absolutely fantastic. So thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. Next week, I will be finishing off the series with focusing on the victims of schizophrenia and finishing off the 20 famous people with schizophrenia. If you do have any case or subject that you would like me to cover, then please send me an email at macabreformortals at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram at macabreformortals. I also just want to take it again. Thank you for listening to this 40th episode. It does take time for me to put these episodes together and do the research and then write them out. And if anybody is in the hard of hearing community, then please let me know because I do actually have all the transcripts for every single one of my episodes as I am a Virgo. I am a type of A personality. So I have everything written out and typed up. So I hope everyone is managing to keep safe in the world. A lot of the world is reopening. However, we're having a little bit of a rough time in Australia, perhaps through our smugness of not being affected like some of the rest of the world. And currently I am going through a three and now four day lockdown. I am vaccinated, but unfortunately only 4% of our population is vaccinated. And I understand people's trepidation with getting vaccinations, but please give this podcast will kill you a listen. They're epidemiologists and they do a really good episode series on vaccinations. So I hope you all have a great week and stay safe wherever you are in the world. Bye.